Well, good morning. You know, today I want to just say welcome, and I want to tell you how much we miss you and love you, and I do that every week. And for those of you that haven't come back to church yet, you need to know that. You need to hear it from somebody that's here, and uh, we haven't forgot about you, and we do love you and we're praying for you. And so you kind of know the routine of how things run now. We've been doing this for over five months. And uh, so you know what happens. We do a little welcome, we do communion time, and then we uh, do some songs, and then, you know, the preacher, that would be me, comes back and gives a message to you. And I thank you so much for tuning in and, and listening to these messages. I get a lot of feedback, in it. and actually from all around the country, different people that might be just tuning in for a couple of minutes or maybe the whole thing. I don't know, maybe they're just in it for the, the singing part. And that's all right, too. May God be glorified in all things. It's good to be with you today. So as we kick things off, I want to tell you what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about praise and prayer and the importance of that in your life and my life. The key to freedom from fear. What is that? What is the key to your freedom of fear? It is turn the light on. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, the scripture tells us that God has pulled us out of the darkness and placed us into this wonderful light. And so praise and prayer is one way of doing that, keeping ourselves in the light of God's Word, but in the light to be able to praise God, talk to God. Because you see, in our prayer time, when you pray, you're asking God for something. That's normally what we do. God, we thank you for this and we thank you for that, but there's usually a request there. There's So we're asking God for something. But then there's this praising time. Praise is what you're doing is you're thanking God in that. And if you will, praise is showing God the confidence that you have of what you actually are praying for and to Him about. In other words, I'm praising you, God. Even though I haven't seen it come to pass, I've prayed about it, now I'm praising you for what's about to come because I know you're God and you love me. That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. And so today I want to talk about those two factors. But in the meantime, we're going to do communion, a couple songs as I mentioned, and then I'll be back with you then, okay? All right, talk to you soon, I promise. In
Good morning, Western Hills family, and welcome to our Sunday morning online service. This is the time of service in which we remember what Jesus has done for us. You know, about 3,500 years ago, the Passover was instituted when the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He told them to, to take a lamb without blemish, a male of the first year, kill the lamb, but break none of its bones. Take some of its blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of your houses. Now, why did God instruct them to do this? So that when God passed through the land of Egypt on that night to kill the firstborn, the blood would be a sign and God would pass over that house. So now let's fast forward about 1,443 years. You know, it was no coincidence that this happened during the time of Passover when Jesus Christ made the atoning sacrifice for our sins for all time. Not one of his bones was broken, and it is because of his blood that we are passed over, and our sins are forgiven, and we are presented righteous before a holy God. To prepare our minds for the bread, I'll have Aiden read from Matthew. Matthew, uh, uh, I will be reading Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf, Lord, and so that we may spend eternity with you in heaven. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your mercy. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now for the juice, Adam will read from Matthew as well. Today I'll be reading Matthew 26, 27, 28. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your atoning blood, Lord, the the blood that that protects us, the blood that ensures that uh, we will spend eternity with you in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Western Hills. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.
So that when it's all finished and it's all said and done, people will know what God looks like. I think that's a good thing. So I believe if you choose to turn a blind eye to all the things that are going on in our world, around our world, it doesn't, how can I say this to really come across with it? If you choose to turn a blind eye to the world around you, the world around you doesn't become better it becomes more evil. 
and as Christians, we are to be different than that. You see, when evil appears to be having its way, Christians ought to be the ones that are concerned about it. But why is the question? Are we to be concerned when evil breaks out in our world? The answer is yes, but why? Why? Because it is sin. It is sin. And if it is not dealt with, it can only give birth to a thing called death, James chapter 1. And so we are to deal with it. And if sin breaks God's heart, shouldn't it break our heart as well? If we're followers of God, if sin breaks God's heart, then sin should break our heart. Now, most people in this world, when things get really messed up, whatever it is, they want a quick fix. We want to lose 15 pounds yesterday. We, we, we want a quick fix. Uh, you know, whatever it might be, we're in that age where now we got to have everything fixed instantly. And that's kind of what we want. But the world looks at surface, the surface of things. But the Christian, you and I, we're called to look deeper than that. We're called to look at the spiritual side of things. And when you look at the spiritual side of things in the world that's around us, you have to get a little bit deeper in, a deeper approach to what's really happening in our world. Because that is what has got us into the mess that we're in. It's a thing called sin. And so therefore, we have to open our eyes, look at it, and now how do we make the adjustments to make it better, not worse? You see, it can just be all fun and games and we just ignore it. But it wouldn't be doing the right thing. It wouldn't be doing what God has called you and me to do in the here and now. We can blame this group or that group, and we do a good job doing that. We can blame this thing or that thing. We can blame this party or that party. We can blame this color or that color. But we need to be told the truth. And the truth is, sin has caught up with us. That's just the bottom line. And someone needs to shout it that sin has caught up with us. Can you imagine a politician standing before a group of people and saying that? Probably not. So over in the Old Testament, in the book of Habakkuk, and that's a kind of a unique name, but in the book of Habakkuk, he looks into his world. It's as though you and I are doing the same today. It, it's as though what we would be doing is sitting at our table in the morning with our cup of coffee in hand and flip open the daily paper and we read the headlines. That's kind of the look that you get into when you look at the book of Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk looks into his world and he sees evil that has gone on. And what it's doing to God's people, and he doesn't like it one bit. Remember uh, Nehemiah last week? We talked about Nehemiah. Remember, he saw the, the walls of Jerusalem had been in decay and torn down and burnt and all those things. And, and it crushed him. What did he do? He prayed to God. He wept. He mourned. And then he fasted and he prayed. All of those things that he did because of what had happened. Well, Habakkuk goes through some of that as well. And he cries out to God. But his cry out to God is a little bit different than Nehemiah's. Now, Habakkuk comes into the picture and he basically says this. If you look at the chapters there, you hopefully you can see it on the screen there. But he says, where are you, God? In the midst of all this evil that's going on, where are you, God? So in chapter 1, this is exactly what he says. 
How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Now, now, mind you here, he's talking to God. And he's telling God, he says, how long must I call for help? But you don't listen to me. Where are you, God? Or cry out to you, violence. Violence in our world today. But you do not save. Where are you in the middle of all of this stuff? Why do you make me look at injustice? You flip on the news, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? There's what you see, isn't it? You make me look at all this injustice. Why do you tolerate wrong? He's questioning God. Look at these questions to God. Once again, God is not bothered by you questioning Him. At the end of your questions, He wants to know that you trust Him, that you will keep your faith in Him. So, in all of this, when you look at our world today, does the thoughts, do those thoughts run through your mind, perhaps? I mean, in the last five months, or when you flip on the news, is a thought ran through your mind is where is God in all of this? In this moment. How can this be happening in our world? This is not what I want. This is not what I planned for me in 2020. And everybody wants a do-over in 2020. But God, why is this happening to us? Does it cause you to be moved in your spirit? Not to anger of this group or that group, but angry because our world has come to this. It should. Really? Yeah, it should. So in all of this, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sure does. Now here's an interesting part of what God says in chapter 1, verse number 5. This is His answer. After those questions, why do I have to look at this? Where are you, God? All those things. He comes back, God does, and he says this. Oh, oh wait up. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. In other words, you can't handle the truth. Kind of like that. But he's, he's letting him know. You just wait there. Look at the nations and watch. What's that mean? It's being patient. Watching the movement of God. God is saying here, I think, to Habakkuk, He's simply saying, what may appear to you to be something you need to look a little deeper into and find out what I'm doing in the middle of it. That's what He wants us to do. See, we can look at the surface of things that are happening around us today. And we can say bad and evil and all those things, and we need to take a look. Then he, we need to refocus on what God wants us to focus on. So, during Habakkuk's time, things were really, really bad, trust me. And a long, long time passes by. And I wish that I could say we could just come here on Sunday morning, have a prayer meeting, and just pray this whole thing away. All this evil that's happening in our world, all this virus that's taking place, that we pray one prayer and everything's finished and everything's done and we just go on a merry way. It doesn't work like that, does it? No, it doesn't work like that. But even though it took the longest of time for Habakkuk to get an answer, in fact, in those all those chapters, in those chapters, he doesn't get an answer. He doesn't get the answer that he's looking for. But do you know what he does? He makes a vow to God. Even in the middle of waiting on God. God says, chapter 1, he says, 
wait, look, just look upon, see what's going to take place. But in chapter 3, this is what he says. He makes this vow to the Lord. And in chapter 3, it says, Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nations invading us. He got it. He finally got it. Do you think he quit praying from chapter 1 to chapter 3? I don't think so. Day after day, he probably cried out to God, well, What's taking you so long? What's taking you so long? But here he makes a vow to God, and he says, This is my vow. I will wait patiently for you, Lord. In fact, this is how patient I will be for you, Lord. And then he lists all these things. Do you know what they are? Even though the fig tree does not bud, even though the grapes don't come on the vines, even though the fields do not produce fruit, even though the sheep are not in the pen, the cattle are not in the stones. In other words, when everything is gone, I'm still waiting on you. Watch what he says at the end of that. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And I'm going to wait patiently on you, Lord. And I know that's a hard thing for us to do, but I'm going to wait patiently on you. And I will, I'm telling you right now that I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful and I will rejoice because God is my Savior. Now, I do not believe that we need to cheer God on as to give us some kind of entertainment. God does this and, oh wow, can you do it even better than that next week? But I do believe that we are to cheer our God on and give Him praise because He is our God. He is our Savior. He is our fortress. He's our deliverer. He's our Savior. He's our King. He's our Redeemer. He's our Deliverer. He is to be praised among all things. There is no God like our God. That's where that scripture comes from. It's 1 Kings chapter 8. That's where, where we sing the song. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or earth below. There's no God like our God. The world doesn't have a God. They're little G-gods. They're wimpy gods. And they look like they're getting away with everything. But our God will show up. Give me an amen. Amen. All right. Here's another one. Write it down. Throughout Scripture and throughout history, this is why it's important to look at history. Look at the Old Testament. Look at what's happened throughout history. So when you look at Scripture and you look at history, you see God's movement when faithful followers called upon God and praised God. Did you catch that? Well, you see God's movement in the middle of all of these things that take place. You see this movement when faithful people follow God. They call upon Him and they praise Him. And I'll spend a little bit of time there. Prayers that declare, as you look in the Old Testament, prayers that declared God was bigger than anything they faced at the time. They trusted God. Prayers that declare our God is bigger than anything that we face. Isn't that what we should be about? Our prayers are telling God that we declare that our God is bigger than anything we're facing right now or anything that comes into the future. That's how big our prayers are. It should be. A couple examples here. Moses at the Red Sea, you know the story over there in Exodus 
chapter 13, 14, whatever it is. And uh, he's standing there at the Red Sea. You know what the story is. There's 400 years of captivity, and God finally lets all the people go. The ten plagues come, and Pharaoh's son finally, he dies, and, and he just says, get out of here. And he gives them everything. And they had him off with about a million people. But here they are, the first challenge. What's the challenge? They're standing before the Red Sea. But now Pharaoh's come back to whatever, and he says, okay, go see them. So can you imagine Moses? He's standing there and he's overlooking this massive crowd of people that he's in charge of. And he looks over the shoulders and he sees the army, the, the dust from the chariots coming. And he knows one thing for sure. Maybe he looks to his brother Aaron and he says, Aaron, we're toast. We're done. We're dead. They're going to kill us. They're going to kill me for sure. They're going to kill you because you're the one who told them all the stuff that I was telling you to tell them. And then he looks out over to the Red Sea. Now keep in mind, this isn't a creek. This isn't a little river. This isn't a pond. This isn't a lake. This is the Red Sea. An impossibility before them. And he looks up and he simply says, maybe to himself, we're all on the ground. We're all going to be killed. It's going to be one or the other. But then what he does, he looks up to the heavens and he remembers the promise. God, your promise was you can save us. I don't know what those words that he talked to God with, I don't know how he says it in his spirit, but we all know God rescued them and destroyed their enemy. Now, it's a long story, but do you know what the first thing that they did after they realized that their enemy was destroyed? You know, the waters opened up. They went through on dry land. They all got to the other side, perhaps a million people. As, they, as God drove the waters back, they went through on dry land. The enemy comes in. They're halfway or whatever. And they're wiped out. Never be seen again, except on the shores. Dead. Sir, you know the first thing that they did realize they did when they realized that God had delivered them? They sang a song of praising God. Did you know that? And it's recorded for us. You want to see a song? I don't know what the tune is. Uh, if you read it, you're going to say, yeah, I don't know how anybody can put a tune to that. Maybe Keith Lancaster. But, song praising God, and that song is recorded in Exodus chapter 15, the first 21 verses. 21 verses where they sing a song to the Lord of praise for the delivery of that crossing the Red Sea. Fast forward, New Testament. Here's one for you. This one's a little different. This one is uh, Mary and Martha. You know, over in uh, John chapter 11. It's the only recording. John is the only one who records the, the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And, and in there, Mary and Martha, you know the story. Their brother, Lazarus, he's, he's dead. He's been dead four days. Jesus could have came earlier, but he wasn't. He was some 15 miles away. And when Jesus finally gets there, they say, if you would have been here, he would have been all right. But yeah, you believe he... You believe in me, I'm the resurrection wife. Believe in me. Yeah, yeah, we believe all that stuff. But what took place? What took place? What was the prayer? He said, I don't read the prayer in there. I don't either. Except for this. You know what the prayer was? Their tears. Their tears were the prayer. You've prayed it. You've, you've prayed prayers and your tears haven't you? Sure you have. And the scripture says God collects all of your tears. God hears even in your tears. Because your tears speak, don't they? How precious was that? Let me tell you how precious it was, their prayer was. They spoke 
through their tears, a prayer. And Jesus even joined them. In verse 35. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Right in front of them. But you don't find anything where it says they praised God. You know, sometimes Scripture doesn't have to tell you. You just know it. Now, I'm not trying to insert something that's not there, but can you tell me what they did when they got home that night? You think they sat around the table with Lazarus and just simply said, well, Lazarus, we're just glad you're back with us. No, I don't think so. I'm thinking they're saying, dude, you were dead for four days. You were stinky. And look at you. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. Prayer and praise makes a difference. Listen to me. Answered prayers. This is huge in your life. Answered prayers should always bring praise to God. How many prayers has God answered for you? How much praise do you give God? Are you praying big prayers that show you believe in a big, big God? A God who can and did part the Red Sea? It's not just a bedtime story. That did raise the dead? A God that can move mountains. A God that can change a, a, a circumstance in your life in an instant. You pray prayers that are that big? How great is your God? That's a good question, isn't it? And today I believe that God wants to know from us, you and me, and all the Christians that are around the world today, that we're all going through this together now, I believe that God is wanting to know from us how big do we really believe that He is. What do your prayers say about the greatness of your God? What does your, what does your life tell God? See, your life is telling God something. That's right. You are. You are. God sees your whole life laid out. What is your life telling God? Is it telling God, I praise you in all things? Is it telling God, I'm afraid? I'm lonely, I'm confused, I'm lost. Or is it telling God like Jeremiah chapter 10? Here's a good one for you. Jeremiah 10, Lord, there is no one like you. No one like our God. For you are great and your name is full of power, it says. Or in Psalms 98, we even sing this song. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy in the Lord. So in closing today, let me just kind of go through this. In times like these, and I've been saying this now for five, six months, I've been saying it for 27 years. But in times like these, it allows Christ to be seen through us. Light it is the brightest when it's the darkest outside. And right now our world may look dark. That means we should be shining like never before. Get this statement. Write this one down. This is a great one. When God's hand is lifted from a society, God's people ought to be the hope of that society that has no hope. Now, I don't know who said that first. I mean, I'm going to say a lot of people claim it. I don't know. But I will say it again because it's that powerful. 
when God's hand is lifted from a society, God's people are to be the hope of that society that has no hope. That's what we're to be for the world today. The question is, are we? And how are we doing? Our God is very aware of the situation that we're in the middle of in the United States of America. And I believe that He is wanting to know how are we going to handle it. He already knows how He's going to handle it. I think He's asking us, how are you going to handle it? With faith? He is carefully watching you and me, His children, to see if we will put, our, put to practice what we say we believe. And all those good years, and all those great times, the things that we come and shout about and sing about and say, God is so good, and all the other stuff, and He is. He said, now, a little dark outside. How you doing? Are you going to put into practice what you really believe? Now keep in mind this, and I'm finished. The faithful are always taken care of. That's the beauty of God. The faithful are always taken care of because God is faithful to all of His promises. Every single one. Here's this last parting verse for you. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. There is no God like our God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commands. I don't know what generation we're in, but God's promises are true for you and for me. Let us not forget to pray, and let us never forget to praise Him, showing Him the confidence we have in what we've prayed for. So let's pray right now. Father God, we do come to you. We thank you. We praise you, Father. We thank you. But for this moment, Father, we want to just cry out to you. We don't want to come as Habakkuk did and just say, well, where are you, God? But maybe someone out there today is, is feeling that in their spirit. Let them cry it out to you, Father. But then may we listen closely. May we hear from you that you are telling us, be patient and watch, for I'm about to do something that even if you're told, you'll be totally amazed by it. You wouldn't even believe it. That's how good of a God you are. That's how big of a God you are. You're bigger than any of the stuff that's going on in the world. This evil that's in our world, you're bigger than it. This pandemic, huh? If you're not bigger than this, we're all toast. It's all over. And so now, Father, at the end of that, we want to just simply say, we praise you. We praise you because you know our hearts. You know our hearts. You know who we are deep down inside. But we want to praise you for delivering us. For those of us that are Christians, for redeeming us, Father. For those that don't know you today, Father, may they just simply surrender to you, knowing that they can have salvation today. And then praise you forevermore. For if we have no more days on this earth, if we are yours, we should praise you today. Help us to praise you always. For you are a good, good God. And we love you forever and ever. For how great 
is our God. How great, how great is our God. In Jesus' name, His holy name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friend. Talk to you soon. Oh